Welcome to our next episode of the Leap How to Empower podcast series. In this episode, we're going to talk about topics that repeatedly crop up, such as diversity, mentoring, sponsorship. I'm really pleased to have with me today speakers who have been involved with the Leap Network since its inception. Here with me is Alison Stewart-Allen, founder and CEO of International Marketing Partners. Great, thank you. And Anne Hurst, our very own Senior Diversity and Inclusion Specialist at PwC. Hello, thank you. So Anne, I think we'll start with you. Given all the work we've been doing at PwC, it'd be great to get your views on why and how the topic of diversity can move from just awareness to business as usual. Sure. Um, for me, awareness is quite passive. It doesn't imply that there's any action. Um, and I think really that's why we need we need to move it. So in terms of why we need to move it um, and get it into business as usual, that it very much needs to be treated as a business issue and it needs to be embedded in everything that we do as a modern business. Um, and in terms of the reason why, I think, you know, there's a number of reasons. Um, our clients, for them, it's a high business issue. They expect to be working with people for whom it's also a business priority. Also, the people that we currently employ expect us to be really focused on diversity and inclusion. And we know from our own research that we did um, about two or three years ago, our female millennial research, that they are looking to work for organisations who really live and breathe inclusion, not just have generic statements on websites. Um, so we know that that's very important for the talent we have now, but also the talent that we will hope to have um, in the future. And I think, you know, you just have to look at the press and see how much attention there is on inclusion, how many inclusion and diversity stories there are each week um, in the press. And I think then in terms of how we move it into business as usual, the key thing for me is really shifting that awareness into action and for people feeling really responsible for taking action. So business leaders are responsible. They understand what they need to do. We have a five point action plan. So we're very clear what our business leaders need to do. And also it, it can't be a separate activity. They can't feel that they're running their business and then they now move to sort of diversity and inclusion. It needs to be part and parcel of all the processes that we do. So everything from every step of recruitment, the decisions that we make about who we hire, who we promote, how we assess talent, how we assess potential, it really has to be woven into all those processes and really embedded. And then ultimately, like any other business activity, we need to measure it, monitor it and report it back. Thank you. That's a really um, interesting way of thinking about how do we actually just embed it in business? Hard, but... Yeah, absolutely. But it, it needs to be if we're going to get traction and we're going to make change. Thank you. And and, and sort of changing the subject completely, and, and this is one... Um, that we've, we've been asked a couple of times and one from one of the um, other podcasts that we've done before. But but how do we feel about the word bossy to describe young girls? And I see smiles on both sides of my... Yeah, I, I don't think that's a particularly flattering word uh, because it implies unilateralism. And so I think young girls uh, are much clearer these days what they want uh, and expect from employers. And uh, it's a very different world and different kind of employment contract uh, and set of expectations that young girls now have and what they expect of PwC, for example, be completely different to a generation ago. 
Uh, so I don't think bossy is the word. I think it's maybe clearer, uh, maybe more uh, in charge, uh, and maybe a bit more demanding. And all of those things have to be good, in my view. Yeah, I totally agree. I find it quite a depressing word, actually, because it is so negative in its connotation. And I just think, um, you know, it's a huge deterrent potentially to future leaders. And if you think that girls are 50% of the population, you're potentially disempowering 50% of our future leaders, which is is so unhelpful um, in terms of where business needs to go. And I think I love the work that um, Sheryl Sandberg is doing with her Ban Bossy campaign and the Lean In organisation, because I think that is so helpful because you're taking what is leadership, but giving it such a negative connotation that's never applied um, to boys. And I think, and that's really, you know, what you're teaching girls is that how they're behaving is somehow not acceptable. And then that shuts them down, which is just not helpful for them building their leadership skills. No, and, and actually I think what's quite interesting is my role as chair of governors of a school, a girls school, 1200 girls school, we spend our life trying to help these young girls be empowered and actually take responsibility for themselves. So it's just an extension of that, really. Yeah. Fantastic. And our listeners, we think a little bit more about diversity and the diversity theme. Uh, on International Women's Day, which feels like a lifetime ago, but was only a month or so ago, actually March, um, we talked about balance for better. What are you actually seeing in organisations to support this? Uh, so a number of initiatives. Um, I've got several clients who are... Uh, intentionally, almost like all female shortlists in the political realm, in a similar way, they're coming up with all female shortlists for projects. Uh, and they know that unless they are much more proactive in helping their female population leapfrog uh, and get the visibility, then nothing's really going to change. So I know that uh, a few of the professional women that I mentor who are in large corporates, uh, in fact, have benefited from these sorts of initiatives. And it's been great. It's built their confidence. It's built their knowledge. It's built their networks. Uh, so that's certainly one, in, one you know, path that some companies are adopting. And I think that's just so helpful, isn't it? And also the fact that mentoring doesn't need to be within your own organisation, how it can be super helpful being mentored by people from different sectors, different companies can be just as valuable as internal mentoring. Especially different nationalities. Yeah, uh, as a 31-year resident of London uh, uh, from Los Angeles originally, that uh, perspective is actually quite helpful sometimes to check and challenge some of the assumptions that are anchored in the culture. No, and, and, and as we, we talk a little bit more about mentoring, how do we help um, people find more mentors or empower them to take mentors? Well, uh, certainly networks like Leap are a fantastic, um, you know, accelerator to doing that. And, you know, congratulations to you for setting this up because not every company does this. So I think, you know, encouraging your female members of staff to make the most of this network is a big part of it. Um, I also think the networks outside of PwC could be really valuable. Uh, there's a number of professional women's networks that uh, are populated by very senior, accomplished women. Uh, I think the point you're raising, which is how do we build demand 
how do we get younger women to even recognize, A, that it's possible, and B, that they won't be shunned when they approach their uh, target mentor. Uh, and I think we just need to continue to encourage uh, talented young women to try it. It's, you know, it's not going to hurt. They're not going to be rejected. They'll be embraced uh, with welcome arms, I think. I think people are quite flattered if they're approached that somebody feels that they have something that they can offer that individual to help them develop their own, their own career. And I think as long as somebody is very clear what they want to be mentored on, so what guidance they're looking for, because I think otherwise it must be very hard for a mentor to sort of be giving generic advice. Um, but if you're quite specific about what you want, whether it's a particular skill set or a particular aspect of leadership, I think that helps have a good mentor-mentoring um, relationship. And also, sometimes it can be quite time-bound that you may have a particular skill and once you've kind of worked on that, then that relationship has kind of lived its life and then you can move on to something else. Yeah, and actually I found in my own career that at different stages I've needed different people, mm. actually equally of different sexes. Mm. And I think what's interesting for me is I probably have more men mentees from the business world than I actually do have women. And, and I think we forget, actually, as, as this um, podcast is, is, is for everybody, that they equally... Um, although often are more confident, um, do have similar issues. Yeah. And I think that's a really um, valuable point to bring out because I think so often people th feel, well, I'm a young woman, therefore I need to be mentored by a woman who's in my sector. Whereas actually, if you need to be a bit more open-minded because so many different people are bringing very different things that could actually be much more helpful in terms of what you're trying to achieve from the relationship. Yeah, I'm interestingly at the minute I'm uh, mentoring a couple of men who are up for partner in a large global law firm. Uh, and it's interesting because I was sought out because I'm female, uh, which I thought was surprising. Uh, and they both have said uh, that they asked for a female mentor uh, to be able to be even better at engaging the senior women in the firm. And I thought that was pretty enlightened. You know, there aren't that many yeah, yes. uh, that will see the world that way, but these these two have. Mm. And it's great to get that completely different perspective, mm -hmm. isn't it? Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And I, and I suppose if we link that, because it, it can be quite confusing at times, all the, all the two words are relatively similar, mentoring and sponsorship. It, in your experience, Alison, you know, how do we get more diverse sponsorship? Of individuals, yeah, that's uh, a, a challenge. I think uh, the I think we need to ask explicitly for those sponsors to s recruit uh, the talent that they can then advocate for. I don't think it's accidental. I don't think it's bumping into people in the hallway or over a coffee or it doesn't work like that. And I think it needs to be much more explicit in a way in terms of, you know, we, we want this particular, maybe it's female population or LGBT population uh, to have more access and therefore we think you, whoever you've identified, you need to be their advocate. Uh, and will you advocate? And here's what advocacy looks like, by the way. I think there's a lot of ambiguity around what sponsorship looks like. What is that advocacy exactly? Uh, and I think putting some terms and 
maybe clarity around that will help people. Yeah, because I think there's quite a lot of research that women in particular tend to be over-mentored and under-sponsored. And I think, as you were saying, there is that blurring between the two and they think you're achieving the same things um, in the same way and you're absolutely not. As you're saying, there's that whole advocacy piece and that sponsor does need to be somebody who can make stuff happen for you if, if that's not happening naturally um, in your career development. And, and I um, and I mentioned before I talked about confidence levels, which was probably not the right word to use. But I don't know. Are we doing men and women a disservice by um, comparing their confidence levels? I think so, because so often it's a criticism that's levelled at women, and obviously there are men who don't who are not confident but we never seem to sort of raise that and so it's always that you know well and I hear this a lot that well you need to be more confident in this situation and I actually think a lot of the time is it's about fixing the women to be confident in a way that conforms to a prototype of a confident person or conforms to the way that the individual who's giving that feedback is confident and that's just not helpful we need to be aware that confidence can be displayed in very many different ways there isn't just one way to be confident and um, we did a piece of work with the 30% Club a few years ago now and that was looking at why women were not making it to partner in professional services firms and absolutely it was very clear from the results that the women and the men who participated were equally confident. Confidence wasn't the issue, there were other factors coming into play so I think we do do a disservice and sometimes I think it's a bit lazy that when we're looking at giving somebody feedback it's quite often comfortable to fall into the default oh well she could do with a bit more confidence when really that isn't the problem at all. Perhaps the problem is the group that she's trying to get into are just not open-minded to her leadership style or the way that she does things. Thank you. Um, and I'm just thinking if we think both either a sponsorship and um, mentoring, both of them can take quite a lot of time, as I, as I know too well myself. What would be your one bit of advice, each of you, um, for some individuals, that how you get that balance of the two right? So I think the contracting at the front end of that relationship is going to make or break it. And I think um, asking your mentee or the person you're sponsoring to uh, also be thinking about calibrating that balance between the mentoring and the sponsoring uh, is going to be critical. Uh, you know, mentoring more often than not is um, a little bit passive insofar as you're passing on intelligence and insight, but then you're not doing anything after that. You leave the, the meetings and the conversations and that's kind of it. But the sponsorship means that there's an onus uh, on the sponsor's part to actually see it through uh, and take a bit more action. But again, what does that action actually look like? That's really, that's the big question in my mind. And I was going to make exactly the same point, actually. Um, so I would just add to that about just not over committing yourself. You know, if you're prepared to be a mentor, be prepared to say no to some people that you just can't do them the service that they need. And the same to exactly um, your point around how much time sponsorship requires, you know, be really focused on realistically how much time have you got that you can commit to that individual and don't overcommit yourself. Yeah, and I suppose what I've found which has helped me is try and um, embed it into your life. So actually I mentor a CEO and she's never got any time, but actually we now walk 
in the woods behind my house, OK, because actually we both get some exercise we, and then we sit on the bench and chat. So, so I suppose one, it, it's finding the time. But I think the other bit, my other thought process is it is still the mentee's responsibility. You are just empowering them and poking them and challenging them. But it is for them yeah, to take absolutely. it forward. Absolutely. Thank you. And what I can't believe is we're at the end of our 15, 20 minutes. Uh, sad to say uh, we're sort of over. So Anne and Alison, thank you very much for all your advice and, um, um, and thoughts for our listeners. Listeners, I hope you've enjoyed our chat and you found it useful and you've got some points to take away and do something with. And don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date with future episodes. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.